0: Welcome to the PERP Web Podcast, hosted by Joe Bosch.
1: All right.
2: Yeah, my talk. Um,
1: I will show, I mean, I include so little study and show in any aspect with, um, related to um, the CPV, how it's altered, the uh, um alterations. But before my talk, um, I have some, <laughs> um, since back then, um, I, I was um, a postdoc and um, we have a, guest speaker, and um, he said he feels really excited um, for today because um, he needs to talk renal physiology in front of the textbook of physiology. And I understand right now. I'm going to talk something about renal physiology with the textbook of renal physiology beside me. So that's... that I am understand the feeling. All right. I would like to um, start with the. I mean, for for perfusionism. So we talk, we do so many many techniques. Um, the first one that that I want to show and uh, mentions about is about the hemodilution. This is a very nice picture. Um, you know, um, I mean, in terms of we we infill we have the palming, which is um, and then finally we we do the hemodilution. Um, I start with the. The experiment in rest, um, they compare the renal but for You can see, right, Joe from. Um, oh, sorry, they compare the the renal but for If you infill, yeah, if
0: you push and hold, okay, and then you'll see the red light come on.
1: All right, yes, there you go. Okay, this study study in rest, they compare if you with I mean without the the C P B, just hemodialysis. If you infill saline, or you infill albumin, or you infill the whole blood, and then and then they um, look at the renal blood flow compare with control, you can see even saline, or even the, the albumin, um, all of this is told to increase the renal blood flow. But if you infill with blood, it didn't change when you compare with control. Well, what does it mean? It means that hemodilution, Absolutely, it's effect on renal blood flow in some way. And next, very nice study. Um, if you just to
0: make sure I understood you, you said that hemodilution increased renal blood flow.
1: Yes, from this study. Just
0: hemodilution on its own, no CPB, just infused, taking a patient and giving them a 2-liter bolus of saline.
1: Yes, that's true from this study. But I will show you so many studies. And then in the protocol two in in the same study, if you restore, I mean, you infill by <laughs> even serine or or albumin, and then you reinfill with blood, it return renal blood four. So that does that, it show? It clearly show hemodilution effects on renal blood flow. Absolutely. And then um, they try to like understand what is the underlying mechanism and they brought, so now they use the papaverine. they brought the, the um, myogenic response. After they brought, yes, it seemed return to, to control. So in this study, they summarized like that the hemodilution play a role in, in determining the reduction, the baseline of renal vascular resistance from this study. And next, I'll show you the study. They compare hemodilution alone and hemodilution in CPB, and they compare with sham study. Again, hemodilution, and they look at the, the capillary perfusion. Hemodilution alone yet yeah, is reduced the, the capillary um, perfusion, but it's more get worse. I mean, exacerbate is more get when hemodilution with CPB. So um, it means that it not only hemodilution affects on the kidney, affects on microcirculatory, but they have another aspect of CPB. What is that? They look at the inflammatory response, and in this study, it clearly show hemodilution with um, compared with um, CPB. The CPB increased the TNF alpha, which is um. Very, I mean, um, for the inflammatory cytokine, interleukin 6, interleukin 10, they look at at the kidney and and the lung. Again, I show you again. If you compare from sham hemodilution, I would say yes, it's increasing inflammatory cytokine, but it more get worse when hemodilution in CPB. What else that they show? Very, very nice study. Um, They look at the neutrophil infiltration, which is show information, right? Again, um, CPB, that's more get when compared to hemodilution alone. Um, So they conclude um, in in the study, the decrease in myocerculatory perfusions and the increase in cytokine expression observed in CPB. Um, Yeah, it's pay a low. Also, together with hemodilution, this more dilution, um, with more make the kidney get birth in in the CPB situation. And next, I'll show you for the study. Um, they compare the how to tolerate the anemia in each organ. They compare in the heart, intestine. Um, sorry, go back and kidney. For my understanding, I mean, as a perfusionist for a long, long time, I understanding uh, in each organ, it shouldn't be tolerant for the anemia in the same way. But th- this study showed no; it's different compared with the heart, intestine, and and kidney. You see, um, BL is the baseline. H one is the hemodilution at twenty five percent. I mean, um, hematocrit twenty five percent, and H two is a hematocrit fifteen, and H three at the ten percent hematocrit at ten percent, and um, H four is five to ten percent. And you and then um, measure the microvascular PO two. For the heart, you can see um, if you compare to control. Yes, hemodilution um, reduce the PO two. But you look at the heart, intestine, and kidney. Kidney is more catch word. You you can see from from this one. The more hemodilution, the more reduce. PO2 in kidney when compared to heart, heart is more tolerant in this way. Mm-hmm. And they um, look at in the uh, in the detail, and then you, and you can let me show you. Um, at the kidney. This one is the kidney. Um, let's let's see at the hematocrit at 30 percent when decrease to 20, decrease to 10 percent. Um, and you can see it's different from intestine, different from the heart. Um, the tolerance is lower than another organs. So that's the conclude from the, the study that the functional effects of systemic and local regulatory mechanism are different for each of these organs during acute isovolumic hemodilution. Kidney see more catch word from from the study. Much
2: interesting
1: more sensitive. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, and um, they look at the renal, but for um, in each time point of hemodilution, again, um, uh, um, again, um, the H1, H1 is about 25%, H2 is um, 15%. H3 is ten percent and S4 is about five percent and look at the renal for compared to baseline. You can see at baseline the renal but4 is about six. If hemodilution um about twenty-five percent it um go to seven point nine and for um 2 um 15% is um, about 7.5, but if the more hemodilution to 10% or 5%, you can see it decreasing, it responds in different way. That's why you can do hemodilution, but you need to optimal the hemodilution is it That's, that's the, from this study. The oxygen supply to renal tissue become critical already. Yes, become critical already in early state of acute hemodilution as I showed the data. So there is, um, is a need to determining of optimal degree of hemodilution to minimize the risk of acute renal failure. That, that's a very nice study and show. And um, what you, I, I wanted to point out again um, for the um, if the severity of hemodilution, you can see at H3 and H4, it's decreasing the oncotic pressure compared to the hemodilution at H1 and H2. H1 is 25, H2 is um, 15%. But if more very severe, it's decreasing um, the connoisseur osmotic pressure. Again, um, in my opinion, yes, you can do hemodilution, but you need to optimize the degree of your hemodilution from the study. And this is a very nice study. Um, um, before that, I, I talk about the, the study in animal, but for this is a, I, for me, I, I feel like very nice study in this study in human. Um, even small group of, of the study, but the very very nice and create the data. Um, they measure the renal function, effect of cardiopulmonary bypass on renal perfusion, filtration and oxygenation um, in, in um, patient do bypass. Compared to baseline, this one is baseline, and CPB at 30 minutes, CPB at 60 minutes, and post CPB. What, what we can see they um, CPB at 30 minutes, CPB at 60 minutes, increasing renal perfusion pressure. And what's about the renal vascular resistance? Yes, during the CPB, both increasing renal vascular resistance, and Dr. Nama showed you um, for the basic physiology, when you're increasing renal vascular resistance, that means the renal blood flow is decreasing it uh, was a very uh, very nice um, presentation of you that you showed the balance um, between renal but for the flow and oxygen demand of the kidney. You need to balance. But from this, you can see during the CPB, decrease, increasing renal vascular resistance, very clear from the study, and decreasing renal but flow. And also, it's consistent with, it shows decreasing, oh, oh sorry. It's decreasing renal um, DO2. That's why from the study, they show the tubular damage also from this Mm -hmm. study. And I show you again. The question is, DO2 decreasing in renal, and what's about our systemic? From this study, no. For the systemic, we can control it 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 um, any time point of CPB or even post-CPB, the DO2 in systemic. Which is uh, it doesn't um, different it mm. didn't change but for the renal yeah it changed in each time point you can see from this um, CPB at thirty minutes CPB at sixty minutes or post CPB decreasing renal um um DO2.
0: Some somebody's asking me to ask you a question interrupt you and ask you a question, yeah. um and they're asking is ATN acute tubular necrosis purely an ischemic. Uh, cause an ischemic event. No. It could no be toxic. I mean toxicity.
3: toxicity.
0: So it could be toxicity yeah. as well. Is ischemic, does ischemia play a, a is that a, a a cause as opposed to a primary cause, or is it more toxicity is more of a primary cause?
3: No, ischemia uh, if it's ischemic or anoxic for, long enough time it can cause this damage so that there is tuber necrosis, but it, it may be more than it's necessary, more than occurs uh, with just uh, um, reduced blood flow. It, it can be re- probably anoxic or ischemic conditions that pre- prevent adequate oxygenation. Okay, very good. I'm sorry, forgive me for interrupting you. Yeah, no, no
1: yeah. And um, again, um, and then they they show from the study, so they measure the the neck, which is for the tubular damage. Yes, it's increasing during the CPB at 30 minutes and also after the post CPB. And they conclude that's because the low DO 2 renal, low renal DO 2 System is okay, but no in, in kidney. And they do the infographic, very, very nice one. Compare at the, they show at the normal physiology. Reno BAT4 is about 0.5. And then the PO2 at the the cortex is about, uh, the oxygen tension is about 50 millimeter mercury. At the medulla is about 10 or 20. Yes, we know this is the principle of physiology. And during the bypass, um, cardiac index didn't change, yes, because we control from pump, right, Joe? Um, so we control. Um, for this study, they, they control at the cardiac index 2.4. I, I the same, I'm the same way, 2.4. So that means cardiac index didn't change during the bypass, but the renal DO2 decreasing. The question is why? Why is decreasing? But from the study, because they show the, the vasoconstriction. The the question is why is vasoconstriction? They explain because um they release um the catecholamine, releasing angiotensin two, um the hormone, that doctor now that's very called vasoconstriction. And then and and compared to renal DO2 normal physiology and during the bypass, yes, totally um decreasing. That's why um it's impaired uh the tubular tubular damage show from from the neck when they when they measure. And what's about the after CPB, um, in my point of view, I mean, um, for a long time ago, I was thinking when you return to normal, when you're winning the CPB, everything should have been returned. i <laughs> just thinking in the simple way. But from this study, no, it haven't um, returned to normal. You know why? Why?
0: Because everything, you may have separated from the bypass, but the hemodilution still persists.
1: Yes, there is, night, and, and I'll show that when, when I I'll read more and more, but oh, there's, um, I need to chain on um, for something for my idea. Yes, and you're right. I agree. Oh,
0: good. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad. I 100% agree. So the injury that we're caused for the two hours of bypass continues when we separate from bypass because we continue to be hemodiluted, and of course, there's still inflammatory mediators screaming around all over the
1: place. Yeah.
0: Please, I'm sorry.
1: No me. And so um, I, I read that because I very really appreciate for the, the conclusion. The major finding was that despite a 33% increase in system perfusion folate. Yes, increasing perfusion folate because we control the fall, right? But during um, the renal oxygen supply demand is mid-met, and added, like I show from the data, this one is likely caused to renal vasoconstriction, which in combination with hemodilution, renal DO2 by 20% during CPB, this impairment, the renal oxygenation, was accompanied by the release of tubular injury marker and was further um, aggravated after up from CPB. That's from the conclusion, and, and I, I agree with this this is the factor of hemodilution um, from the cpb and then um also for the what's about the hypothermia we do hypothermia you do the hypothermia
0: M- mild but mild. it depends so if it's a if it's a, a a relatively straightforward um coronary two or three or four bypasses maybe even five bypasses uh will drift on temperature mm-hmm. so we'll use mild hypothermia down to 30 to 34 degrees in that range. Uh, If we're doing a valve cabbage, a little Mm -hmm. longer procedure, we'll maybe cool to 30, maybe 30, 30, 32. And if we're doing something more complex uh, and expect a much longer bypass time, we'll go down to 28. Generally not much below that unless we're doing a, uh, a circulatory arrest. And then we will cool uh to 18
1: degrees and what's hmm. about your team um let's say for example bento operation. how um you control the the body temperature you cool to, to for me 28 uh, for uh, you, like, yeah, but like I mean, for example, the the bentol operation. Oh, for a bentall, yeah, but maybe um, twin... without circulatory arrest. No, without.
0: Without, oh no, for a bentol, no, to we maybe would 30... 32, 34.
1: Yeah, that's the question for you. As long um, as we have,
0: team? as long as we have adequate cerebral blood flow no. um, and perfusion in general, that we're not going to be doing circulatory arrest. Uh, as as you know as long as we're perfusing via either the anominate or something that or subclavian that we can flow to the body uh while they do the they can clamp mm. uh, uh proximal uh of the anominate takeoff, then we'll just perfuse normally and only use mild hypothermia.
1: Oh okay, maybe I'm more than you I, I mean i am lower than you.
0: Yeah, we wouldn't, just because we're replacing the ascending aorta and the the aortic, even if we're doing an aortic valve with Mm -hmm. a valve conduit, as long as we have perfusion, we're not going to cool much. Mm -hmm. It's more how long are we going to be here? Mm -hmm. And for a standard ventile with our surgeons, even with uh, replacing the valve, that's probably going to be a 50 to 60 minute bypass time. Mm so it's not very long
1: yeah does that
0: seem right to you Mm -hmm. about
1: oh okay um yeah and next i'll show about how hypothermia affects after the physiology function for the kidney we focus on the kidney uh they compare between 30 i mean normal termia and hypothermia 28 and then show the renal but four and measure the renal but four. And absolutely that's very clear to show that hypothermia affects on renal but four, decreasing mm. renal four from the hypothermia. Mm. And what's about the renal um, uh, vascular resistance? Yes, hypothermia, hypothermia, increasing renal vascular resistance. Mm. That's why decreasing renal but four. Yeah. Very I mean I mean it is reasonable. The question is what is the underlying mechanism? Um, they was thinking about um, the nitric oxide, if nitric oxide um effect no, on right, no. on this. And then they inf- they infill the nitric oxide, but didn't change in the at the hypothermia after infill the nitric oxide. No, it didn't change um, to normal thermia. So they conclude that um the nitric oxide may be um, not involved. So from the conclusion, cold, yeah, that's the uh, hypothermia, induce rest in renal vascular resistance we saw from afferent arterial constriction by the auto mechanism, setting renal, but for MTFR in the proportion to metabolic rate, which cannot be explained by reduced nitric oxide production alone because when they, uh, again, i short again, because when they infused the nitric oxide, it didn't change. And next, that's I really write <laughs> um, this slide. My also my question, when we do the hypothermia, in every organ in our body the same temperature or different? That, that's my question also during, during, I mean I control the heart machine. And when we saw the from the arterial term, it's the same in the organ. And each each organ is the same value or not. From this study. They show no, it's not the same. And ah. they, can, they show that regional temperature during CPB, the kidney temperature was almost identical to arterial temperature, but the brain doesn't. The top one is the brain. No, when you're decreasing from, they decrease from 40 and decreasing until to like 20, 25, you can see, and they measure at arterial, venous, brain, gut, kidney, muscle, <laughs> rectal, Kidney seem identical to arterial. It's um, the same as we can see it. I, I feel oh okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's okay for me. And but very important. Yes, we can um, we can see the kidney um, reduce the temperature the same as the arterial. And what's about the flow? The flow should be reduced. Um, and then they show if you at the high flow. Um, I'll go back to this. They measure the flow at calotid flow, um, skeletal muscle flow at the renal artery, flow and femoral artery. The flow decreasing in renal artery, but not in femoral artery. Why? The question is why? They said that's because the redistribution to the skeletal muscle. is um the blood from kidney and so the artery and to to the skeletal muscle. So, but for during hypotermic cardiopulmonary bypass, it changes to skeletal muscle, particularly in the high pump flow. That's true from this study. Huh. And then, what's about the met- metabolism? Um, yeah, when we, um, I mean, at the, at the lower temperature, it decreasing oxygen, oxygen consumption. That, that's, I mean, that is like a principle. But we need to consider, I mean, in my point of like perfusion, when you do the rewarming period, at the rewarming period, we still do the we still on the hemodilution, right, Joe? We, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Still. Yes. Yeah, it, we still um, it hemodilution.
0: It continues all the way for a few several days.
1: <laughs> yes, we we still hemodilution, but. We increase temperature. That means from the study show we increase oxygen consumption, but we still hemodilution. That's why it's mitmad happen. Yes. that's why it's happened. And then um, they have the question is or um, what's about? It? Oh, I'll go back a little bit. So from my point, rewarming very important that we need to concern to. I mean, keep the do to keep everything because that's. That we, we will return to normal. Um, and then, next study, they showed this, this is the clinical trials. The question is what about if we, like my hypothermia, they keep the temperature during the operation and until weaning at 34, 34 degrees Celsius, and they compare for. The hypothermia and like uh, we do hypothermia and then we rewarm to thirty seven. Is it, it is different or not? If you maintain twenty four throughout uh, the operation until weaning, compared to to normal that we did, and what's about happened on on the on the kidney? Actually, the they, they not show, uh, the data didn't uh, different much, but we can see some some um, important points. Sustain my huh. hypothermia does not improve renal outcome. However, rewarming on CPB is associated with increased renal injury and should be avoided that they show from, from the study.
0: So uh, just to make sure that I'm clear and that the audience is clear, are you recommending not using Hypothermia for bypass, because or is that study recommending or, or illustrating that staying normal thermic is better than cooling and rewarming?
1: No, I, I, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, you can do hypothermia, or or you sustain my my no, my hypothermia from this study, but you need to concern during rewarming period
0: the so rewarming what, period so go if you could go back to the slide just want to make sure i'm clear on this sustained my mild hypothermia does not improve renal outcome however rewarming on cpd is associated with increased renal injury and should be avoided so i i don't i don't think i understand what that's saying
1: they say when you rewarm at the rewarming period you need to like I mentioned, you need to make sure that your DO2 is proper. You are okay, so proper. Is, so
0: if so you cannot be uh you can you you cannot be at lower flow while you're rewarming. You need to make sure that so what this slide is saying is during rewarming you have to make sure you are delivering your DO2 is as much as it needs to be as opposed to suboptimal.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not not only DO2 uh, in terms of flow in terms of pressure. Right. DO mm-hmm.
0: your DO2, your O2 delivery.
1: Yes. Total
0: O2 delivery. Mm-hmm. Yes. Got it. Okay.
1: And then um, I show at uh, the the mathematical models. This is a I mean like a, they, they use the mathematical um to to predict um something and they show from the model for calculate, and at the 28 degree Celsius, the model predicts is market decreased 46.1% of R2O4, which result in 47.4 reduction in synchronous GFR. I point out this because I, I want to show you that even we calculate like the mathematical model or something, hypothermia, effect on renal but for effect on vascular vasoconstriction and,
0: and affects sodium, re, uh, sodium reabsorption.
1: Yes, that's from the, the models. And
0: this is just only from hypothermia?
1: From hypothermia. Nothing yes. else. Yes, just the factor from hypothermia. And when compared um, at the renal um, cortex and renal medulla, the renal medulla, as I showed the slide before, the oxygen tension is about just only 10 and 20. Renal medulla is particularly susceptible to hypoxia during rewarming phase of CPB. That's from the, the mathematical model um, prediction. And then um, they have the, the study in chip and also in, in human. I'll show you from this study. Um, they show the renal oxygen oxygenation during the onset of cardiopulmonary bypass. And you can see during the bypass, all around the way, the renal vascular, renal blood for decreasing, renal vascular resistance increasing, which is the, the, I mean, very similar to the many, many um, study that I'm showing you and they confirm again, and then they measure the, the urinary um, oxygen tension, which is very close to identical to medulla, medulla um, oxygen tension and it shows during the bypass, it decreasing, um, very significant decreasing. That means they conclude that med, um, renal medulla is susceptible to hypoxia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even by itself, even by um, normal physiology, because low oxygen tension um, at, at that area, so that we need to concern about this. So um, from the the conclusion, renal medullary, um, renal medullary hypoxia is an early even during CPB. It start to develop even before CPB. So yeah, we need to concern.
0: Yeah, it starts. You know, in fact, that's a that's a question. I'm gonna ask that question. It's a very good question. I have a, we have a, we have several questions for you. So let me let you continue.
1: Yes, and next I'll show you the effect from palsy, um, palsy, pulsatile and non-pulsatile. That's a very really question for. I mean, um, we. We discard VD base um, in this point for perfusion this for long. Um, before I go to the, the post or non-posty, I'll show you. I also have a question, that's why I I did I did postdoc and and show that you remember, you told me that's very um very difficult experiment. And i said, say, yeah, I'll do that because I want to see it. <laughs> I'll show you. This is um, uh, my post uh, my postdoc work with, with Dr. Nawa. Actually we um, we look at the interactions of two receptors at the to control the renal afferent arterials but um from the video uh, let, let me show you. Okay, I stop. I shouldn't stop. Um, we took the kidney out from I mean we took the kidney out, we we um we ran the experiment under the microscope. I point this one because that means no um um, no control from from the, the the nervous system anymore because we took the kidney out, right? So, and um, we look at the commulas. This one, um, this is the commulas. This one is um, um the vessel, afferent arteriole, and then I'll show you. And then we measure the diameter. Oh, this sorry. And then we measure the diameter of afferent arterioles when we um. We infill, let me, you can see from, you You see um this one, right, this, this, this one is we, we infill um, the solution. From what we, I point out is because we infill the solution and we control pressure at 100. It's like a non-palsatile photo, it's because we, we just for no pulsatile anymore. And we took the kidney out from the body, my question is, the renal auto-regulation, it is still work because this is non pulsatile And I'll show you, yes, it's work. You can see it moving, that's a point out. Maybe difficult to see, but you no, can I see. No, I can see it. Yeah, I it's moving. I think you can see it. Yeah, can it's, see it
0: it's, dilating and constricting. Yeah,
1: it's moving when we increase pressure to 140. So um, I show you this, and i to point out this one again. Even non pulsatile Yes, I would say yes, yeah, renal auto-regulation is work, but is work working or not? I don't know, but I confirm it's work. I see from my eye and I show you from mm-hmm. this. Um, so I'll go back to my next slide. For, like I mentioned, we still debate about tie and non-pulsatitis. I show a um, very nice study also um, they compare into group. The group one is um, they use the, the pulsatile and they generate the, like a new equipment to mimic um, pulsatile in, in our body. And group two, they use the, the pulsatile which is the, from the lower palm, and group T is non-pulsatile. And um, this one is just like a, the demographic that they showed. This is a, in the normal, before on bypass, the pattern of blood pressure is like this. And in group one, for with we uh, try to mimic two pulsatai in our body, even try to mimic, but the pattern is different. And also the tie with lower palm, the pattern also different. We cannot mimic the same tie in our body, and absolutely for non-pulsatile yet, yeah, it um, didn't show um, the power anymore. And when they, they look at the, Um, the power pressure, and you can see just group one that they try to mimic um, our body that's a power pressure, um, seem to like a um, baseline. But for group two, if you do pulsatile with lower palm, and group three non pulsatile, that the same, Um, I mean, it's different from it's different from the baseline. So they conclude that only group one. That's nearly equal value for power pressure. Mm -hmm. And then they look at the mean arterial pressure, peripheral vascular resistance, and hemoglobin. Even group one that they show is quite mimic for our um, our body. But when they look at mean arterial pressure, peripheral vascular resistance, hemoglobin, group one, group two, and group three, uh, um, I mean, it's not um, significant um, in the data. They, they are the same. Um, and they they conclude that. No significant difference were found in cost of mean arterial pressure, peripheral vascular resistance, and hemoglobin. And what they see the difference, they see they, they, they um, saw the free um, hemoglobin increasing.
0: Mm-hmm. Not at all surprised. In, yeah,
1: in pulse mm-hmm.
0: so I'm not at all surprised uh, by that.
1: Yeah, and that they, um, um, we need to like a concern in this point also.
0: Well, this is what I was talking about earlier with Dr. Navarre and yourself and, and Kimberly, that a an arterial cannula is... Everything okay? An arterial cannula is about seven uh, seven uh, 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 millimeters. So it's a 24, a 21 French is about seven millimeters. And an aorta, coming out of the ascending aorta is three and a half, three, three Mm -hmm. and a half uh, centimeters. Mm -hmm. And so to try and generate a pulse through this small, non-distensible cannula jetting Mm -hmm. is going to create a lot of shear forces and damage the, your risk to benefit ratio. I don't see any benefit. I see very high risk. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in trying to pulse with artificial circulation, unless you want to separate the aorta and attach a big, giant graph to it, like you would with the total artificial heart, mm-hmm. if that's what you wanted to do. But I, I don't think it makes sense.
1: Yeah. And then when they compare in um, group one, group two, and group three, and they look at the renal um, but four, they show in pulsatile decreasing renal, but flow. quite so high for me. I mean, it shouldn't be increased, but that yeah. the data, sure. Yeah, data decreasing. shows the
0: opposite. That They're trying to, but yeah. is that because of the the non-physiologic pulsatility or yeah. because mm-hmm. it's pulsatile? That That doesn't make sense to me, right? so yeah i hear what you're saying that's counterintuitive but i think the non-physiologic nature of what they're trying to accomplish is the reason why you may have seen that
1: yeah and in the positive group you see group one and group two which is a positive group it increasing the capillary leak and also free plasma hemoglobin in positive from, from this study that they show but um but from another study like, like i mentioned positive and non-positive still are debate they show some, some benefit from, from pulsatitis also. For example, they show um, the increasing of the, I mean, renal but four to outer, even outer or, or inner cortex and medulla in, in pulsatitis four. This is another study that they show the regional renal but four was significant higher in both outer and middle cortical of mm. pulsatitis CPB compared with the non-pulsatitis CPB. This is another study so this this
0: one is supporting it is supporting pulsatility
1: this one is supporting possibility yes and another um study that show um they show is it pulsatile improve renal function or not that's the question but they point to the the plasma um plasma free hemoglobin because um, one cause of acute kidney injury right plasma hemoglobin and this the data show in pulsatide group increasing the plasma hemoglobin
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and didn't protect the kidney anymore in, in pulsatide group from, from the study. That they show this increased level of hemolysis go some way to explain why we didn't see the beneficial impact of pulsatized CPB4 on renal function or involutive bacteria level from this study. And, um right I mentioned but some studies show the benefit again, um, for example like this the study they show in post type um, is increasing um, the, the plasma um, creating in queer land, which is um, like a help to protect the, the kidney also but which is a uh, still bad I mean in term um, they show and also they, they measure the the uh, which is um, show the uh, tubular damage. And from the study, they conclude that short-term pulsatile in elderly patients show higher safety for renal physiology than non pulsatile resulting in better maintenance of GFR and low renal tissue injury. That, that's the result from the study. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I I I mean, um. For me, mostly I do non-pausitai. For um, if you ask me why um I i concern concerned about the hemolysis, i concern concerned about the vipasma hemoglobin because um, we, do, we use the roller palm, but, but you use the centrifugal palm, mm-hmm. but I, I asked you before, do you use pulsatile or non-pulsatide, and you, you, answer, you answer is non pulsatile. Actually, for the centrifugal palm, it should be better than roller palm in aspect of hemolysis. You may don't think about the hemolysis. I don't, but I don't think it is.
0: And I think the reason for that's a very good question, but I don't I think the reason for that again is a is our shear forces. Yeah. You're still, you know, we if you monitor the arterial line pressure in the circuit, um, you'll see it vacillate with the centrifugal pump up to three hundred and ten, all the way back down to about eighty and then shoot right back up to three ten and do that. Uh, repeatedly. And I can only imagine that coming out of that seven millimeter cannula mm-hmm. that is very uh, uh, damaging, that kind of velocity uh, to the red blood cells. That's mm-hmm. what I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, I have a question for Jim when, when he um, went to uh, to Thailand. And I asked this question, Tim, you you, you remember that? Um, do you Thai or non-positide? You answer it. I use non-pulsatile because pulsatile when it's run is um, run and stop, run and stop, and I worry is his work or not. That that he answer, but I, I feel like you kidding me. But yeah, that's the question again. Do you use pulsatile or non-pulsatile, and why?
2: Non-pul- uh, non-pulsatile only because, like I just explained before, when I was in Thailand, after doing this so so long, you you're so focused on watching that roller pump go round and round and round. And so when it stops, you <laughs> it, it, it freaks you out a little bit. And so then it starts and stops and starts and stops. It would it, it would take a little bit of getting used to, but th- that's why we don't do it.
1: Yeah, you use non Thai that you answer in Thailand. And yes, again, you answer non Thai. Yeah, I do, yeah. I do. And next, um, I show how DO2 chain and renal oxygenation change during the, the bypass. Um, this is the, the study in animal study, but very nice study. They study from um, like a baseline and at the conscious condition, and then an the and then bypass. And you can see at the bypass, the mean arterial pressure decreasing. Yes, we decrease mean arterial pressure is about 50 to 70 millimetre mercury, And then, decreasing renal four. you see, when to compare to conscious and under type but been bypassed, renal four decreasing. And um, again, um, medulla um, oxygen tension, yes, decreasing at the bypass. That's why they point out to the medullary hypoxia happen during the bypass. We need to concern too much about this point. And what, what they showed uh, the, in, in this NICE study, and also at the bypass, uh, at the last time point, the renal DO2 decreasing, renal oxygen consumption increasing. That's why they show again, is mid-met happened from the um, renal oxygen extraction, is increasing at the bypass period. <laughs> so they conclude from, from the study, rebound but flow and renal DO2 to be markedly Reduced during CPB, even though the systemic oxygen extraction was similar to that in in, in the in the ship. And um, we need to, I mean, show the the very nice greenhouse study from Dr. Lanucci that um that we talked about so many many times for the for the perfusionist for the co directed perfusion to reduce acute kidney injury. Um, it's a randomized trial. Um, he he compared. I mean, he looked at the the two group the control group and the co-directed perfusion group at the co-directed perfusion group they keep the the do2 more than 280 to 80 compared to to the control group and they, the from the data they show in um, co-directed perfusion group if you keep do2 more than 280 the AKI in state one led. they use um, the AK the Akin cast one um, to classify the AKI state one um, significantly reduced um, happen when compared to to the control group so um, they um, conclude that a co-directed perfusion study aimed to preserve oxygen delivery during CPB is effective to reduce um, the the AKI happen. Um, and from this, um, I show again, so um, this is the recent study. From the study from Dr. Lanucci, um he pointed out to more than 280, but um, recent study, um, they pointed out to maybe TO, um, t, I mean, TO, t, 300 t 103 for the DO2, maybe um, like a better than 280. That's the recent study um, show about the, the DO2. Um, and also from, from this study, they conclude that it, um CPB time, like the level and DO2 were significantly <laughs> associated with um, the cardiac, um, I mean, for the, um, for the AKI after CPB. And like I mentioned, a decay of DO2 greater than um TOT was um, correlated with port-operative AKI, which is a little bit higher than 280 um, study from Dr. Manushi. Um, and the question um, again is, um, how we can protect, um, I mean, um, in the afternoon section, we, we will talk this again, but, but I show this. Um, they compare if we fold at the cardiac index at 2.4, 2.7 and 3, and, and they show compared to 2.4, I mean, compared to um, the folate at 2.4 cardiac index at 2.7 and 3 it increasing um, oxygen delivery to the kidney, which is the, um, and from this study um, right now, they do the clinical trial to compare the, the two, but for between two point, um, 2.4 and compare to 2.9, this low four and the high four, this is effect on, on kidney function. It shouldn't be effect on kidney function in the same way with um, the hypothesis is um, increasing um, high folate shouldn't be better for for piece of the, the kidney function. And next, um, I show you for the inflammatory response to the CPB um, for the kidney. They um, how I can say they they analyze the, the gene expression the gene expression for the inflammatory response after the CPB the study in animal study and then after um the CPB they analyze for the for the mRNA the, the, the gene um, response and they show interleukin six and so many many um inflammatory cytokine genes. Um, significantly increasing after the CPB, so that's confirmed again. Inflammatory response yes happened for the for the CPB, and when look at the plasma concentration of interleukin six from the animal study, you can see compared to sham at the CPB group, the interleukin six increasing more than um, four thousand four hundred four, which is um, well.
0: That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that's sure. I mean, uh, confirming, yes, inflammatory response is happening during the CPB. Um, and also from this study, and they try to, what is the underlying mechanism? Um, and they show the expression of cytokine and adhesion molecule, um, so many things is um, accumulated and increasing during the CPB from, from the gene expansion. And for another study, they look at the I mean, they look at um, in different organs from the heart, from the lung, from, for the liver, for the kidney. And um, from the study, they show neutrophil and palate accumulate in the heart, lung, and kidney after cardiopulmonary bypass. And also for the palate and um, neutrophil were entrapped in the heart, lung, and kidney of, of the bypass. That's indicating that cell accumulation may contribute to the develop of organ dysfunction. That's also happened also. And for the clinical trial, um, they, they measure, um, I mean, um, more than a thousand um, from adult cardiac surgery. And then they measure after, after the surgery, a look at the interleukin-4 and interleukin-13 and also for interferon gamma. And from the study, they, can, um, they show that both interferon gamma and interleukin-4 and interleukin-16 cytokine increase immediately after cardiac surgery and associated with high risk of AKI, even one-year mortality. That's from just the, the study from 2019, very recently in, in, in patients. And when look at in the detail, and they can show in a group of happen AKI, the inflammatory response increasing in every time point that that they measure from the Sunday. And next, I'll talk to about um, the pharmacologic that's effect um, that we use um, during the CPV. Um, you point out for I mean you point out for for the phenylephrine. Um, We're
0: very generous with the use of phenylephrine. Yes, we, we love phenylephrine.
1: You love phenylephrine. We love it. Very, I mean, after we give increasing mean atrial pressure, that's mm-hmm. very nice. But the question is you you may have the good number, I mean, increasing mean atrial pressure. And what's about the micro microcirculation.
0: Yes, it may be poor. Yes. But what's, you know, and, and this is such a, uh, a common debate what's my job? My job is to get this patient out of this operating room with this operation and have them wake up. So they need a perfusion pressure. And that's the problem. I have to perfuse the brain and I have to worry about the pressure in the brain. Mm -hmm. I have to worry about the heart functioning after the cross clamp comes off or before the cross clamp goes on either one. But what effect am I having on the kidney and what do I do? What drug do I use that is less damaging to my renal blood flow but still accomplishes the job I need to do, which is provide the patient with blood flow at a blood pressure.
1: You do a good job, I know. Does dopamine
3: work? I'm Does sorry? dopamine work?
0: Um, I mean, in higher doses, yes, but we it, it's, it's not in our common um, armamentarium. So we would generally use as boluses, uh, phenylephrine, norepinephrine, uh or vasopressin depending on the uh whether the patient is refractory to the neo the phenylephrine or whether they're uh they respond well to that or maybe norepinephrine if that's what they need Mm -hmm. but sometimes you know there's so many things that happen Mm -hmm. for example and i'm so glad you brought some of these things up it's very impressive uh work but you know you give cardioplegia and you have a cross clamp on the aorta and the cardioplegia is between the aortic cross clamp and the aortic valve. And you want that cardioplegia to go down the coronaries and sometimes of course you have coronary obstructions. So you make sure that pressure is very high. Well, the baroreceptors see that and you have suddenly a systemic drop in blood pressure which is significant and profound all the way down to 30. And that makes us very excited because we don't like the blood pressure to be 30. So we treat that with something to raise the blood pressure back up again. Um, If we just waited, maybe it would solve itself. But I've sat there for two, three, four, five minutes and it's not coming back up. I have to do something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Please, yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you um, Yeah, and I'll I show um, the effect of phenylophane um, from, from this study, uh, they, they <clears throat> take an image. Um, actually, they measure at the sublingual microcirculation but refer to, to the microcirculation and you can see at the, at the picture B, yes. It yes. show decreasing the, the microcirculation when you give the phenylophane. And um, they conclude that an increased perfusion pressure. Yes, we increase perfusion pressure produced by phenylnephrine in constant of CPB four may decrease microcirculatory, but for in mm-hmm. the sublingual um, mucosal, um, microcirculation due to the microvascular, but for shunting that's from the study. And um, this I'll show you. Um, These um, um, another the study, very nice study. They compare if you increase pump four and you give phenylnephrine. Which one is better for, for, um, for the microcirculation? And I want to know also when, when, when I look at it. And you can see um, the study that they, they decide um, decrease to decrease blood pressure to 65, and then they increase pump 4 andor give phenyllefin, and then they compare. And you can see. Um, they look at the vascular resistance as um, systemic. They mentioned as the systemic um, at the gastric, pancreatic, renal, cerebral, and femoral, and they compare if you increase fall or phenylephrine. At the systemic vascular resistance increasing compared to if you give phenylephrine, the systemic vascular resistance increasing and it's different from it's higher than increased fall. From the phenyl and look at the look at the kidney for the kidney yes again vascular resistance higher than increased pump flow so I mean it's a question for perfusion. if you during the raw but for and I know I'm sorry during the row mean arterial pressure do we increase flow or we need to to give a drugs mm-hmm. that's that's a question and it's for a very in.
0: fair question but there is a limit to how much yeah. we can flow right so even with a uh, patient who is septic that has a massive cardiac output they mm-hmm. can have a very low blood pressure that's not unsustainable for life that you have to treat yeah. and get the uh, perfusion pressure back up mm-hmm. um, but you sacrifice generally one organ system for another organ system mm-hmm. uh to for the patient's survival they can live with dialysis but they can't live brain dead. Yeah. And that's where you have the dilemmas mm-hmm.
1: that we have. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate your comment, very nice. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And um, and again, when um, you look at, um, compare the uh, increased PAM4 and Phenonephrine um, focus on the, the renal vascular resistance, as I showed you, the renal vascular resistance increasing for Phenonephrine compared to you increased pam so, the, they conclude that renal cortical blood flow correlated directly with perfusion pressure at regulated by PAM4, but not by infusion of phenyl The use of vasoconstrictor during normatomic CPB did not improve renal perfusion abnormality at low PAM4 rate, despite restoration of perfusion pressure. That's what the form they study. And, um, I would like to end up um, my talk with um, my thesis. Um, actually, this is my PhD thesis. Um, last time I came here, I, I joined um, your program and I talk, um I studied physiology because during my perfusion exam, I have so many questions. And I decide the experiment for the PhD, I mean for master and PhD, um, I do the cardiac ischemia reperfusion injury. And then I look at the renal nerve response after ischemia reperfusion injury and um, one of, um, I mean, one of data from, from my study. Um, I will show you that after ischemia, reperfusion injury, and then I measure, direct like measure of renal nerves, we put the electrode on the renal nerves, and we um, measure the power step, um, power spectrum density. Actually, um, in each heart, in the response in each heart, it it refers to different response. Let me show you. If, um, if respond um at the hertz about 0.5 to 1.5, that means landing um, release. If respond at 1 to um, 2.5, it means sodium accretion, and more than that, it means um, its impact on renal but four. And from my study, I found that um, after ischemia reperfusion injury, in we study in animal, in group that supplement with glucose, with the high glucose. Cool mm-hmm. It th- this one happened, it's respond by increased renin release after that. So that means after ischemia reperfusion injury happened, is uh, I mentioned after that two days, it still have high renin release, which is um turned to keep And I mean finally we have the high angiotensin too, We still got vessel constriction. I mean in systemic or in 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 renal, but for also turn back to to your answer before. Yes, after CPB, it still have something happen.
0: The injury is ongoing.
1: It's ongoing. It's the phenomenon that we're dealing with. Yeah, that's, that's something from from my PhD research. That's one to show. And um, I want to summarize my talk with, I think. That, hey, that's, that's one nice. of my
0: slides. Did you, <laughs> did I steal it from you or you stole
1: it from oh, me? I'm so sorry. <laughs> But I steal it. Did you steal that one from me? I, I just, I'm sorry. I sent them my
0: slides.
1: Not at all. That looks oh very familiar. God. No, not at all. Mm. All right, I, I would like to... Actually, we, we talked to many aspects of CPB involved in... In... Um, in um, physiologic alteration. Um, yes, hemolysis happened, as, as I mentioned and plasma hemoglobin, which, um, I mean, is um, promote the acute kidney injury, of course, and stimulates sympathetic nerve activity. As I show you for my, my research, yes, I, I found that after ischemia reperfusion injury, it stimulates sympathetic nerve activity, and I measure from the renal nerve um, directly, yes, it's sure. Also, the hypoperfusion we need to avoid and so like information and so many things that that's all my talk um, <laughs> um, throughout the, the hour and this is the last slide from morning section <laughs> yesterday um, to pick up dr. Nawa and I am um, at the airport it's a big airport is in Houston Airport and I haven't shared with you. Um, I get lost a little bit. <laughs> I get lost for, for some way. And Dr. Nawa said, um, we walk so long. Are you sure that that's we collect? I said, oh, they, they are so um, civil terminal, Dr. Nawa, but believe in me. Um, I have the Google map in my hand. I know the direction. <laughs> and both of them, the link, finally we, we, we will find Job, actually. Um, it is in my hand. Um, so that's my point. Um, we know so many, alteration, many, many things happen for physiology during the CPB, but it is in our, uh, our hand, it is in perfusionist hand. And that is my talk in the morning. Thank That's you. That's
0: very good. Excellent. Um, a, a question for you. That was excellent. Thank you. I have a question for you, and that is, is Bangkok airport bigger? It's bigger than Houston airport.
1: Um, they are in the same building, you know, but oh, okay. not separate in many terminal. What's a team can t- tell this, What's about the airport in Bangkok? Tim, this we are in the same yeah, Bangkok. Yeah,
2: Bangkok Airport is very big, it mm-hmm. is, it is, it is very big. Um, it's a major international airport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, would you say it was so? It
0: doesn't have as much land mass as the terminals of IAH Intercontinental and in Houston. Or it, it because it's more in one structure, you have different levels, because we just have it spread out.
2: It's uh well it's Texas, everything's spread out in Texas. True. Um, it's but true. Uh, I I don't know, I would have to Google it.
0: To okay, very good.
2: Is, well that's not bigger. part
0: of our thing today. So Jim, you wanna uh you wanna start off? with uh, any questions you may have. I have the audience questions here and I have my own questions as well. Maybe Dr. DeVar, since this is your student, do you want a griller or do you want... Uh, It's okay, Jim, go ahead.
2: Okay, Tabby, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your kind words. Um, uh, A couple of things. Um, I will tell you with the delivery of oxygen, I have changed my technique because I've started using apps. And I think what we have to think about now is we have to calculate our flows to deliver a certain amount of oxygen. And using the apps that are available, we can calculate our flows, our uh, We can calculate our PO2, plug in our PO2s and our saturations and our hemoglobins, and it will tell us what we need to flow. I think sometimes we need to look away from the 2.4 index and actually look exactly how much oxygen we are delivering. That's my first point. Um, My second point is, Joe, your comment with the blood pressure going down upon the delivery of cardioplegia. Potassium is a potent vasodilator, number one. When we turn that cardioplegia pump on, we've also created a, a little bit of a shunt. And so that's taken away from the systemic blood flow. And also what I try to do is I try never, ever, ever to give neosinephrine as I'm delivering the cardioplegia, because when I do that, it just becomes part of the cardioplegia and just constricts the coronary arteries. Mm-hmm. Good um, points, good points. What is cardioplasia? Uh, and also, and I think one of the most important things is neosinephrine makes the surgeon happy when they look up at the monitor and they see a blood pressure that they're happy with. Um, but getting back to you, Tabby, um, hear, hearing your words makes us think and review everything that we do behind the pump every day. And so it's a good, uh, it's a good exercise in, in awakening To uh, really kind of press the reset button and focus on uh, on what we do every day. Thank you.
1: Alright, thank you, Jim. Thank you for joining. I I told you, you surprise me. I'm so very honored to have you here. You know, he's like.
0: and he's a yeah. trooper. He's, he's sticking with us because we're going to take a break for lunch <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, and I hope you'll come back for the, our last two. I think we have a couple of more lectures to do to make sure that we get all of the points that we need to get for today. And of course, you're getting, if you need the points, we're giving you the points for today, of course, uh, uh, for your generous time. Um, it's the least you we can here. do. Um, but uh uh, but with that said, those are, I think your points are well taken. I don't give the neo as I'm giving the cardioplegia either. I do agree with you on that. Um, and, you know, as far as the potassium is concerned, um, we do this case with uh, where we use uh, systemic hyperkalemia and we'll give the patient up to 240 equivalents of potassium, sometimes as high as 300 equivalents of potassium as a single dose. And if you give that too fast, you have to be very careful how you do it. I see the opposite effect. We see massive, very significant hypertension. So I cool. do it in okay. probably 20, 20 to 40 milli equivalent aliquots. And try to wait and try to drive that potassium up. But that's a different lecture. Uh, but I know that you can, I think you can have both phenomena occur. And certainly, I've seen, you've seen, I think, that hypertension uh, as well on those hyperkalemia cases that we do. Um, I did wanna get to a, a, a couple of questions about the, and I agree with you 100%, by the way, Jim, on the DO2 the problem with that is and and i'm not asking these questions i apologize the problem with that is that you only have so much blood flow so your drainage is only so much your cannula size sizes are only so much you can only add so much vacuum assist for your return Um, and there's only so much that uh, the heart will drain and they need the heart to be empty so it's flow and i agree with you 100 but it's and you when you say do2 you cannot separate the arterial oxygen content from that equation and i just think we allow our patients to be too anemic i think we have come to accept a 21 uh, hematocrit or a 7 hemoglobin as acceptable but if that's too low and you can't flow high enough to achieve the DO2 that you only have two you have two choices hemoconcentrate if you can to raise the hemoglobin or transfuse but transfusions and if you you know we do our lectures on transfusions with some very smart people they will tell you oh my god if you give blood you're going to you know you're just about going to execute the patient so we we we're really stuck in a paradigm of I, this is a very provocative session today. There are, I don't think we really are going to solve these issues, but I think we really need to look into it because we have not changed a lot in our field for many years now. And I, I think we need to come up with some techniques that take into consideration all of the factors, including how we're affecting the kidney. Uh, and uh, protecting both the brain and the kidney, which seem to be, in my opinion, the two most uh, uh, the two most uh, susceptible organs to problems, uh, especially in the post-operative period. My thoughts anyway mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, everything we do is bad. It's just how bad we're willing to <laughs> accept. yeah, exactly, that's exactly right. okay. A uh, question um, uh, from our audience: What is the mechanism of increased renal blood flow from the hemodilution? And their question: They're asking, is it is it intended because the kidney sees the increased water volume? And wants to concentrate, and that's why the renal blood flow increases. What's the mechanism by hemodilution increasing renal blood flow?
1: From the study, right? But um, I mean, uh, yeah, I showed a study. In my opinion, I I was thinking of Vicosity, because hemodilution decreased Vicosity, which is a. decrease the vascular tone
0: okay so it should
1: be increased we know about four
0: so you have de- decreased resistance due to decreased viscosity
1: because okay, yeah that's in my opinion maybe dr Nawa add for something
3: yes uh, i think it's important to point out that the, that the hemodilution uh, will um, reduce the degree of, of scavenging that occurred by the red blood cells to the nitric oxide that's released by the endothelial cells so you'll actually have an increased nitric oxide levels in the kidney, which will give it, give a vasodilating effect in addition to the effect caused by the decrease in viscosity. Okay. Hemodilution will also decrease your vasoconstrictor factors, such as uh, angiotensin II circulating in the blood. So uh, it, just simple overall extracellular fluid volume expansion caused by hemodilution. Um, well, hemodilution caused by extracellular fluid volume expansion really has a whole lot a whole host of um, uh, alterations that occur. That's why, if you want to know, if you want to separate the effects of a blood volume expansion per se, you do it with a isocotic, isohemic uh, perfusate by putting in line, similar to what you do, but in line, uh, a, a a reservoir that equilibrates with the animal's uh, blood, and then you simply reduce the volume in the reservoir and you could a pure blood volume expansion. That that will uh, lead to uh, a certain amount of hemodilution. That seems to be caused primarily by the release of nitrogen peptide. Mm-hmm. So there are multiple factors that are involved in um, you're, you're going to also increase uh, well, in, in in CPD. You don't have to worry about the release of nitric oxide, but uh, in uh, in intact and in intact conditions, uh, you would also have a re- re- release of atrial natriuretic peptide. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it's multiple effects.
0: So the other question somebody asked is they want a clarification during so because they they added that they've always believed the opposite and they want to make sure they understood you. Hypothermia increases perfusion to the skin. Or is that what you had said or did we misunderstand you? Well um, hypothermia. Hypo, yes, yes. hypothermia.
1: No, that not. Um from the side, right? But um I would say hypo during hypothermia, this told the uh, redistribution to because they measure is femoral for The femoral butt four does mean to scare it muscle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I would say yes from the from the study that show redistribution to increased um femoral blood flow. That's mean increased skeletal muscle, but that's from the study that you know, they showed the that My the Because yeah.
0: okay, so skeletal muscle. So you have a redistribution of blood flow to skeletal muscle during hypothermia.
1: Yes, yes. from the study that yeah, I yeah from
0: that study. Yes. And whereas I would have thought the exact opposite would be the case.
1: You say that again. I'm sorry.
0: I would think the opposite would be the case.
1: You you think it's opposite?
0: I would think that, but I was but I would be wrong, because it actually mm-hmm. increased. Would you, would you not
1: think that? I would think the opposite. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it it doesn't.
3: If you have your if you have your normal uh, reflexes intact, you you will cause peripheral vasoconstriction. That is vasoconstriction to the skin blood vessels. They got to go somewhere.
0: Okay. So it doesn't increase it to the organs, it
3: increases it to guess, skeletal muscle. Yeah, I, I think so, because that would be um, one of the reservoirs that you could uh, increase blood flow uh, without... The kidneys will out-regulate, the brain will auto regulate uh, so But I think it's because you're redistributing to a central...
0: A central location central, It just includes yeah. that in it. Yeah. So that doesn't really get sacrificed. Only the skin, only the integument is going to get is going to get shut off.
3: Right, as a means heavy. of preserving
0: uh, heat. Heat, yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. And um, a question which I thought made sense, are we accepting too low a hematocrit on bypass?
1: We accept a low hematocrit.
0: Do we accept? Are we accepting a hematocrit too low for renal protection?
1: Um. She- I, I go back to I mean I appreciate your 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 answer before I answer this question because we have so many organs that we need to concern about. For the kidney, we need to keep the optimal hematocrit, which is should be high for many studies. So because right now, I mean um, that we do right now for the CPB decreasing DO2 at the renal. That means we should to keep more hematocrit. But if we keep more hematocrit, that means our hemodilution is not proper, right? It's not it's not the same that, that we did.
0: But I get very confused about the benefits of hemodilution. I think it became convenient, but we don't walk around with a hemoglobin of seven. We walk around with a hemoglobin of 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be hemodiluted other than Convenience and not wanting to transfuse patients mm-hmm. out of necessity, in other words. So, is hemodilution though most people get over it, get through it? Um some of, don't. I say that again. Despite despite, yes,
3: despite the despite
0: it, our best efforts,
3: seven is low. Seven is really low. But that's
0: very yeah. common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, the last question from someone was. Uh, since you were talking about the renal injury starts prior to the going on bypass, mm-hmm. um, they asked if they you think RAP technique uh, helps to exacerbate uh, renal injury prior to going on cardiopulmonary bypass.
1: Um, actually, uh, on my I have never do RAP, but um, for the question... That's because
0: you're a good perfusionist. Oh, I'm good. All good perfusionists <laughs> do not do rap. Jim, you agree with me? Do Jim, you, you agree? smile.
1: Jim, you agree? Oh, I,
0: I rap. I'm <laughs> a Exactly, rapper. exactly. Rap? What? Uh, retrograde autologous priming. It's a technique. What they do is they put the cannulas in and then you drain the volume from the patient to displace the volume the crystalloid that is in the perfusion circuit to minimize the hemodilutional impact of going on bypass. However, those that argue that's beneficial uh, have their reasons. Um, But I believe that in order to make that work, um, you have to, uh, let me just say that this is inappropriate. Um, I'm sorry you have to add uh, pressors because you're creating a hypovolemia um, and generate a blood pressure of course and then you go on bypass and if the patient is already hypovolemic if they're euvolemic or maybe a little hypervolemic already it certainly you don't have to add the volume back but if they have any hypovolemia at all you're gonna end up giving that volume right back to the patient over time. Mm. Uh, I am more of a believer in minimizing the size of the circuit going on bypass and hemoconcentrating whatever additional priming volume you have. So I think that the desti- the instability that occurs during RAP is more harmful than beneficial than the hemodilution impact of going on bypass and removing that excess volume as soon as you can, and I think it's just a difference in philosophies.
1: Mm. What say you? For the left, um, you mean how left affect the the kidney, right? Yes, the, the because patient. you had
0: said in your yeah. in your lecture there was a slide mm-hmm. that indicated that the renal injury associated with cardiac surgery occurs in the pre-pump phase during anesthesia, sternotomy, mm-hmm. all the things getting prepared to go on bypass. And I'm wondering, or this person actually was wondering whether you think RAP exacerbates that uh, that uh, that injury.
1: Right, I mean, I never do RAP, but um, my my answer is if you can control the pressure, because the more effect is hypertension, if you mm-hmm. can control the the, the the blood pressure, it shouldn't be okay. Um, Even
0: if you have to administer phenylephrine in order to do that,
1: that's I'm going to talk about. But you need to concern you can you control the blood pressure. Um, I mean, it's not just only from the vessel pressure, but you control in the proper way. That shouldn't be okay for for mm-hmm. your kidney. But mm-hmm. if not, that yes, I would say it, it will have effect if hypertension happened before you on CPV.
2: Mm-hmm. That, but you don't
1: message. rap i but the why i don't do lab that, that's because our patient is too small you mm-hmm. know our, the body weight i mean um we are so when we do lab very very difficult to control um the blood pressure mm-hmm. so that's
0: true that's true that's
1: why i ne- never do that but you ask the guy do rap. so lap. Jim,
0: you do rap <laughs> okay so you heard my reasons
2: for not doing it please, please. I this is this is what I think. I think that we're dealt. Say that again. And so it, say, say that one more time. You have to play the hand that you're dealt. Yes. So you have to tailor your technique to the. I uh, as an example, I've been I've seen a number of cases in Thailand. Everyone's BSA is one point three, one point four.
3: Mm-hmm. Everyone is yeah.
2: small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where here in the Midwest, everyone is big. And so we have a little bit of play, a little bit of leeway. Someone comes into our operating room with a crit of 45, um, maybe I want, uh, I don't want to wrap, but if someone's borderline where, you know what, I can get away with taking off maybe three, 400 cc's of crystalloid that the patient's not going to get, Maybe that's beneficial. So every, there's a surprise in every package.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, and you know so, I have to ask provocative questions. So, uh, oh, yeah. because, you know, and disagree, even if I do agree, because it's just my job to disagree, <laughs> but I'm just really, <laughs> it's true, but I'm just so glad Tabby does not. That's all I want. I'm gonna conclude this before we go to lunch. Um, I couldn't get to all of the questions. I hope everyone forgives me. We'll try to do that later. Jim, I don't know if you can rejoin us. It'd be great if you could. We're gonna take probably a 30-minute break and feed these folks. Everybody's starving, I'm sure you are too. And then come back and do our afternoon session. So I would love it, I would be, certainly I would love it if you could, would understand if you couldn't, but I know Tabby would appreciate it. So. Uh, you won't do it for me, but you'll likely do it for her.
1: Uh. Well, I'll do it for her. I'll be back. Oh. Sounds good. Perfect. Okay.
0: So let's take a thirty-minute break, please, and uh, just put. Can you put it up with a little timer that says we'll be back at at fourteen oh nine, or not fourteen oh nine? I'm sorry. Thirteen thirty nine. Thirteen forty. Yeah, you know how to. Okay.